Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with Lily Mastrodemus of the band Longneck. We talked about Lucinda Williams' 1998 album, Car Wheels on a Gravel Road. We also talk about being creative on your own time and trusting your instincts. Longneck recently released their new album, Soft Animal, on Plastic Miracles and Specialist Subject Records. So check that out wherever you stream music. Please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we revisit albums we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. Subscribe for as little as $1 a month and get an exclusive episode every week. Your support sincerely helps us keep doing what we're doing and it means a lot. So please subscribe. Okay, let's chat with Lily. Hey, Lily, how's it going? I'm doing just swell. How are you? Pretty good. Um, I was going to say it's a Monday. It's definitely not a Monday. So, I so that's I thought yeah. it was Monday. <laughs> Till just now. Great. Yeah. Thriving. Yeah, it's a very, uh, yeah, it's, it's a Tuesday when we're recording. Not that oh, that matters yeah. much when we release it. But um, now are you like, what was I supposed to do today since it's not the day that I thought it was? Um, yeah this yeah. is this is throwing me for a loop now I'm trying to think of what i've put off until now oh it's fine i'm fine <laughs> so we were actually talking about lucinda williams fifth album car wheels on a gravel road that came out in 1998 on mercury records and as of 2014 it has sold over 872,000 records but what I'll ask is, when was the first time you heard Lucinda Williams or this album? This, like, this was one of the first albums of hers that I remember hearing when I was, like, a little kid. Um, my parents played it a lot in in our apartment when, when I was younger, um, especially when it just came out. And then I remember, like, we were driving to, like, a summer vacation in uh, North Carolina, and this was, like, one of the albums that they put on in the car ride and it's just kind of stuck with me as like a travel album ever since then it's like it's a good road trip album and it it's like you know at, at the time when I was like you know oh gosh how old was I in 98 so that was I was five when it came out so I didn't connect with the lyrics thankfully um and was in high school for like the road trip revisit so didn't also connect really with the lyrics, which I think we can all be grateful for given the content, but it is like a gorgeous album and like mm -hmm. connecting to like the music itself and like her voice. Um, those were the first like two things that attracted me to, to Car Wheels on a Gravel Road and then revisiting it later when I got older and was like, oh yeah, no, like I, I'm, like an adult now and can like can examine these these lyrics now with like a a critical mind <laughs> and with a, yeah. a lived experience now and it's like it just it makes it a much more special album to me um having like grown with it in a way and like now kind of vaguely understanding 
what she was what she was on about so yeah and so what other types of things like this if any were your parents listening to around that time do you recall any of the ones that they would put on a road trip yeah um like we we had a lot of um well in the house we had like a lot of like wilco or beatles or lucinda um and still a lot of like ramones or like post-punk from the from the 80s i have very wonderful parents with with nice tastes in music thank thank the stars very grateful for all the music that they have shown my sister and i over the years um and like on road trips yeah it was like lucinda williams there was one year where we got really into um arcade fire uh especially the suburbs when that came out that yeah. was like the big one for us um but yeah i mean like they've really like i don't know they, they've really shaped like a lot of my musical tastes and especially like how i listen to music when i'm in transit um because i feel like especially when either you're driving or I take the train a lot or the bus like that versus I don't know doing something else completely like a chore or whatnot like it kind of really forces you to examine your surroundings and mm-hmm. like take it in and like sit with and really absorb what you're listening to um and I yeah I I think that like that's that has a lot to do with like how I was in how my sister and I were introduced to music when we were younger and how it's like how it connects to like travel with us i guess yeah yeah i i'm almost thinking about the difference between like what like my parents growing up it was it was kind of like there was music in the house but it was a little bit more passive like my dad would play almost felt like bits of neil young songs and arlo guthrie for like you know uh for thanksgiving Mm -hmm and uh but a lot of it was like kind of just whatever kind of christian rock was on the radio so they had kind of the textbook kind of like not cool parents like musical tastes like you know i got more into neil young when i got older but i feel like that was like almost my own relationship with it because my dad kind of likes like a finite time frame of neil young not like when he started experimenting more with the sound like it's just like folk or nothing like kind of thing. So if there's like electric Neil Young, it's like, no, not really into it. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, it always seems kind of like, I almost don't believe people. And I'm not saying that you're, you know, it's almost like I didn't believe people growing up when they're like, oh, my parents listen to cool music. And it's like, yeah, whatever you think you do, or you're just telling me that. But to kind of like hear, like, it makes sense now at my age, but it's like, why wouldn't a parent like, like Wilco? But it almost feels like growing up, parents had to like, kind of like be frozen in, in, in the time that they're from. Yeah. You know, but if they were listening to Wilco or if they were especially listening to Arcade Fire, they had like a relationship with music that was changing, you know, which is a normal person. But I guess I didn't view my parents as like normal people in that way. It, it was very like, I kind of feel very like lucky to have grown up in that environment. Cause like my dad's a musician and he was playing like, a bunch of bands um in hoboken where we lived which like at the time was like the epicenter of this kind of indie rock north jersey scene with like yola tango and a and the feelies it's just like 
and you know maxwell's being the rock club in north jersey where all these other like touring bands from all over came through um so we were very like exposed to that from an early age like all these artists because either my dad played with them or he knew them and it was uh it was kind of easy to get caught up in it so it is like it is a, a very i almost want to say like it was a very privileged thing to have like growing up with like yeah. parents who who like good music and then you know and then my mom like introduced my sister and i to like the arctic monkeys and the decemberists and mia like when we were in and kanye west and missy elliott <laughs> like they both have they both have like crazy good taste in music and it's because they were like parts of the scene when the you know the i say scene in quotes because who knows what the scene is but they were like you know they were the the hipsters in the 80s and, and 90s and they grew up loving music and made sure to to pass that on too so it felt feels very appropriate that uh they would be the ones to show to show us uh lucinda williams especially yeah i mean lucinda williams I, and maybe i'm just speaking from my uh personal experience like feels like a deeper cut than what I was used to like even when I started kind of doing my own exploration like getting into like Uncle Tupelo mm -hmm. and then eventually getting into, into like Steve Earle and Lucinda Williams felt like you know it's like you had to kind of read something about Steve Earle to get to Lucinda Williams is like my experience yeah. and a lot of the experience especially personally I feel like um you know like female art female artists don't get that kind of in the story of Americana alt country it is like the next level, but you know, it's like Lucinda Williams should. And I think it is getting the respect a little bit more than I remember even like 10 years ago. Yeah. But it's, it's all, I mean, it's obviously kind of more male dominated, especially at this time that the record came out and kind of before when she was like making her name. Um, so all that to say, just, you know, kind of like you, I feel like you had to like dig for it more, you know, and it's not, yeah. it's not, it's not even like Amy Lou Harris. Like, and even that's not like, like, I feel like Dolly Parton, you know, and then, you know, to get from Dolly Parton to Emmylou Harris, you know, was like another step. So kind of taking those steps and kind of giving that kind of gift, I guess, to your your children yeah. is such a nice thing, you know. No, so, absolutely. Yeah. Especially if, like, you know that the artist is, like, you know, worth the dick. Like, especially if they're not getting, like, the attention or, like, the acclaim that they deserve, like... And especially with Lucinda too, because like I, I think Car Wheels was her first commercial success. So like before then, yeah, you, like as you said, she was like supremely talented, but like maybe not as popular as Steve Earle or Neil Young or or any of her other. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah like this record came out in her she i think she was in her mid 40s when this came out yeah and she put out a record i was looking at it today she put out a record in 19 like 1978 1979 i believe and then she put out a record in 1980 which was like her first original album because the first one was like covers album then she didn't put out another record until 88 um, because those two that she put out in like 79 and 80 weren't very well received so she moved to los angeles and i think attempted to really become like a 
just like local musician and songwriter. Um, and so when the record came out in 88, not, not this one, um, I think she just kind of started being a thing that, you know, kind of other people like Steve Earle will kind of keep, cause he kind of, he plays a lot into this specific album that we're talking about. They'd be like, have you heard Lucinda Williams? Seemed to be kind of the conversation, a shorthand around her. Um, mm-hmm. And then around, so she kind of continued the journey. And I think she started being kind of pushed into that realm of becoming like a songwriter. Um, because like in 92, she, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the album, but that record she released in 92, uh, there's a song that became a Mary Shapen Carpenter song that Lucinda wrote, Passionate Kisses. And yeah. that's kind of what got, yeah, that's what kind of got her to be like a bigger name. But when you're that kind of songwriter, I think you're known in like the back end, like people buying your songs and whatnot. But you, it, it's, it's kind of like there's a different trajectory that this could have been, you know, yeah. uh, after that point is what, I, what I'm getting to. And, like, it could have just been, like, she kind of hunkered down and kind of wrote songs for the rest of her career for other people. You know, like, Passionate Kisses. Like, I honestly, I didn't realize until doing the research a couple of days ago that that wasn't a Mary Shapen Carpenter song. Like, I didn't know that. Like, when I, usually when I put on Lucinda, it's always this record. Yeah. Like, it's always Car Wheels. <laughs> like, and that's not to any discredit of the other ones, but also thinking of it now, realizing that Passionate Kisses is her song it like makes so much more sense in a way than kind of thinking of uh country at the time uh but i don't know it's just like an interesting story all around that we haven't even really gotten into but you know kind of going from that point from 92 to 98 i believe that's the gap like the six-year gap and putting out the record from um and you know i'm blanking once again on the name of the record from it uh like that six year period, especially on that that time frame, yeah, it's like such a long time for an artist, you know. And yeah, and like you know, she had been writing since she was like, I think like six or seven. She had been writing songs, um, and like you, I think you're at like if she like her life could have gone like any way, like based on just like how long she's been writing and like she'd been playing guitar since she was like like 11 I believe so she, like she had the makings there of like always being a great songwriter and a great musician um but I think like you're absolutely right she, like she could have gone in to be like uh, a songwriter for like someone else or she could have like you know done her own thing and which she did but yeah I feel like she's always had that in her of like like she's always had the passion for writing and the passion for music and just trying to express herself as much as possible because like her dad was a poet and like her life has been pretty pretty wild um had a pretty wild one (laughs) god bless her um and I feel like like those combinations of just like you know, she's kind of like this class, she's one of the classic like country stars. And I know or of like the past couple of decades, because, you know, you think of like a, you know, your classic kind of cowboy country albums, like, yeah, you know, they hang out and dive for it bars, they get into fights, they like, get drunk, they move around a lot, they had like this tumultuous upbringing. And like, she's had that 
Like that's yeah, she's that's done her. That. Yeah, she has. Yeah, she has like the John Prine stories. Yeah, she has like any of the kind of people that usually the men that they have those stories. You know, it's like they have three or four wives by the time they get to that kind of point in their life, and kind of the tragedies that go along with it and complicated relationships. Like she has all that. She has like all of those things. Like you know, she in a way it's like not to discredit her because. I mean, I would rather listen to Lucinda right now than Steve Earle. It's like there's an analog there with like kind of like how I perceive them. Just like they're going to do what they're going to do. And they don't give a shit about like Nashville kind of culture. Yeah. You know, like they're like that kind of, you know, Dwight Yoakam kind of was able to. He was kind of that, but then he kind of became like an actor. And I think that kind of changed his trajectory some. But that's like such a tough world (laughs) to be in. Uh, but sweet, sweet old world is the uh, was the '92 album that mm. that I'm referring to. That passionate kisses, uh, actually, passionate kisses is on the '88 record. But still, yeah. even that, just like going from like, it just. I wonder though if that possibly with her dad being a poet, if that kind of maybe it's like a help in hindsight. It probably didn't feel like a help. But I, mm-hmm. I think, like, if you had an example in your life that, like, like if her dad was a musician, you know, then I wonder if her life would even be different because I wonder what the life of someone living with, like, a poet is. Yeah. You know, like, because I don't, I don't think that really anyone – I assume people probably hope this, but I think, like, if you're a professional poet, you don't necessarily assume – that kind of like, oh, I'm gonna be like huge, you know? Maybe yeah. I'm, maybe I could be wrong. I don't, I guess I don't know any big poets, but I wonder <laughs> if that sort of tempers your expectations of like what that could look like. You know, you're still like, you just kind of become a working writer for a poet, you know? Yeah. Like he, he was a university professor, so like potentially that might have tempered the relationship she had with it to not make her feel like she has to be like a superstar. You know, but but who who knows? I mean, yeah. you know, that could be something like hindsight could have given her, not really at the time, you know. And especially too, because like music itself is such a, a tricky business. Like, you know, as same with any kind of art. Like if you go into the art as like the arts as an artist of you know, poet, musician, whatever, like with the intention of making it very high chances you're not going to <laughs> like yeah so i'm sure like that pressure was there to some extent too of like well if i'm not gonna be a poet i have this other thing that i want to do but also maybe i don't want to end up teaching like you know my my poet laureate of a father <laughs> you know yeah like yeah. there there's i feel like there's definitely the pressure that come, stems from that aspect of it and also like okay so what am i going to do instead like i really have to make this work like i really yeah. like there's no going back on this like if this is what i'm doing this is what i'm doing um and i mean like her body of work is massive like with like the covers album and her originals like she clearly knows what she's doing and especially with like car wheels like you know there's there is that like gap um in between but like she it's because she kept like 
working on it and like perfecting it and getting all these like other musicians involved and mm. then there was like there was like an article that came out that was like well she's difficult to work with and like her man like misquoted her manager as like she's difficult to work with she's corn meal or something um and so everyone was like oh she's a perfectionist and she's like taking a long time with this and it's annoying and like people were mad at her um mm. it's like but it's a great album and i would much rather that she had spent her time on creating this album than not you know than just kind of like forcing it out there because like she felt like she had to because that was the way to like stay relevant or stay employed even um she had spent like a lot of time on car wheels and then there was the article that came out that mentioned how she was like a perfectionist and misquoted her manager yeah simply i i don't i don't think that anyone would really ever say that not that it's never been said but no one would really say that about a man exactly you know yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's like it's ridiculous because I think if people had listened to her, then the record would have been sooner because it's like the other guy who actually played on this record that produced her albums before. Oh, Gerf Morlicks, the coolest yeah, name. I would never, yeah, I would coolest never remember name. that name, but it's it's so good. It's <laughs> definitely like, just sounds like when someone tells you that name, you're like, oh, you were born in like Arkansas. Like, yeah. It just feels like an old <laughs> kind of Southern name. But yeah. Like, he had produced uh, her couple records before them. So, yeah, Gerf Morlicks. Oh, wow. oh, cool. I love saying It's so fun to say. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so just kind of that thing where she was like, I don't, you know, she was saying, like, I don't like the way this sounds. You know, so she redid the record. You know? Yeah. And, and then even when she started working with Steve Earle, Steve Earle was, you know, kind of like, it almost sounds like he was just, like, bullying her along the way and i think it's like that thing where it's kind of like old guy director thing where it's like mm -hmm. oh if i bully somebody they're gonna do their best work yeah like and it's such a shitty approach like and i'm in i don't know it's like it's like i think you probably could have also been nice and you still would have gotten <laughs> a good product like you catch you know? more flies with honey than vinegar as the yeah. old adage goes <laughs> but people love that kind of notion like i'm just gonna like scream at people and you know so they'll do their best work yeah. like like she's not capable of, yeah you know that was yeah and like when i read that too when i was like you know looking more into the history of this album like you know i didn't realize that she had kind of changed horses midstream um it's like we had a very similar experience with our first album their first full band album um and like you know, you would hope that in the year of our Lord at that point, which was like 2017, 2016, 2017, like in the year of our Lord 2016, like that wouldn't be the case, but it very much still is. And yeah, like, you know, that's almost like a 20 year difference between, you know, my our tiny little album versus her like groundbreaking masterpiece. But 20 years yeah. is a long time and knowing that like that's still how some producers like work is wild to me um but it is like producing is a very male dominated industry still um yeah and you know 
thankful after our experience with one producer, we found the one that like fit us and was like kind and wonderful and super supportive. Uh, Tom Bojor, we love you. Everyone work with Tom Bojor, he's the best. Um, but, you know, before that it was, it was like a, tr a trial. <laughs> it felt like we were like on trial a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, I feel like if, you know, kind of similarly, like if we were like an all male band at the time and I was like a, a guy, our recording experience with the first person would have been way different. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, who can say? Yeah. <laughs> who can yeah, say? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I've been, I've been on the, uh, it's interesting because like, you know, she made that decision to kind of you know switch producers like i've been on the other end of it where it's like uh, i've recorded a record and then you know essentially being like oh this isn't the record we wanted to record mm -hmm. and and away and then we went with a different producer so it like took a gap so I, i've seen it kind of in both ways you know um so i mean it can be tough i guess either way like you're kind of like you're thinking something sounds away in your head and then it doesn't, it's not coming out that way. That was her experience. But it's like, in my head, it's like, this is the way we heard it. But then we're told, like, the way we heard it wasn't the yeah. you know, the right way. And in hindsight, it's like we ended up getting to work with, like, a good producer. But it is interesting that things like that still happen. You know, hers is more of your experience. Uh, so that's it's just, I don't know. <laughs> it's so much, like, break down it's just like i'm just like i can't believe that people still get in a situation where they're just like no because like essentially i don't want to listen to a woman yeah like uh, it's just it sounds so archaic you might as well be named girl from more like you know if you're if you're talking to people like that like it just doesn't make any it's i i understand i understand that people it still happens and i'm not discrediting it that it doesn't it's just sometimes it's like are we not past this at this point in 2020 the answer is no the answer so. is a strong no <laughs> yeah of course you know. uh, it's, yeah which is why the music industry is so much fun and a great thing yeah. to be a part of but that's a story for another time <laughs> yeah but i think like in a sense like where people were talking about you know lucinda as a perfectionist it's like she just heard something a certain way and i don't really get a sense that she is a perfectionist in that way. I just think that people weren't listening to her. Yeah. And because if you look at her body of work afterwards, it's like she put out a lot of records after this point. So essentially after she was able to make someone a lot of money, then they were like, oh, your ideas are great. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> because, yeah. It makes me wonder too, because like, you know, she is such a revered artist. Like mm -hmm. you hear the name Lucinda Williams and you're like, yes like that is one of the great songwriters of our time like you just feel this like kind of automatic respect for her or you know maybe i could be like uh presuming this because she's like a big idol of mine <laughs> so yeah. maybe I'm, i like, think i think it is composed. even across some of the people that were kind of like i think even with like steve earl or even with some yeah. of the other people that she ended up uh working with i you know i would agree that she is like a name that's revered like and she is like clawed her way to where she was yeah uh, uh to that point so so yeah to the what you're mentioning yeah yeah and like but i feel like you can respect a name but 
easily disrespect a person. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like her name has weight, but like, especially like when you read about her experience recording car wheels and like the different, you know, like the article or like the, you know, like the people that worked with her and like her experience working with them, it feels a lot of the time like yeah no one was just like no one was listening to her it's like because she probably because she was like a lady god forbid uh you know but i feel like it's just because of that that she was made to seem difficult and like it's so much easier to be an asshole you know in in real life to somebody than like to to actually like show them the respect that like they deserve and that you show them when they're not in the room um and no like yeah I I don't know I feel like knowing that she was like a victim of that to an extent is like pretty heartbreaking honestly yeah yeah I mean it's you know to think of also being that young in her life to kind of like having like that eight year gap from like 80 to 88 to kind of like, I guess potentially I'm assuming almost building yourself back up to like try again is what I mean. I I could be projecting a lot there because anytime you put out a record on like a smaller level, it's like when you put out a record and if it's not like, you know, well-received, even if our threshold for it is a lot lower than what people thought in like 1980, it's Mm -hmm. personally it feels like you have to like kind of like start from square one and rebuild the house you know it's like it's like i gave everything i have so you're just being like oh go build a new house you know and you're like i I can't even start with that brick you know so to kind of like have that that opportunity that she did in like 1980 then to 1988 like must have been so difficult you know i'm i'm once again i'm projecting a lot of myself at this moment uh onto her at that time but i I can only imagine because i think a lot of the other kind of country music documentaries that i've seen with like 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 linda ronstadt Mm -hmm. like i feel like as big as she was there was a point that i feel like people still kind of weren't listening to her and she wasn't able to kind of like reinvent what people viewed her as and i think amy lou harris has kind of had the same thing it's like it's almost like yeah. after graham parsons passed away it's like oh like who is she without graham parsons or like they don't really in a sense the easy way to put it is like when actresses i guess i'll put it that way it's like when they start aging when they kind of get outside of the role that kind of media has given them then kind of like what use would they have you know and mm-hmm. i think it's even more difficult for someone like lucinda because it's like with that 1980 album, I don't even think people got to make an image of what they thought Lucinda was. So it's like, she wasn't even important enough to most people to discard. So you're kind of like under that, you know, feeling like Emmylou Harris or Linda Ronstadt probably had kind of, if they want, because Linda Ronstadt went into like making uh, albums in like Spanish. And I think that was like a huge transition with her career. And Amy Lou, I just, I just kind of feel like once she kind of got to a certain age, it's just kind of how media perceives you. So yeah. being 45, my point being, being like in your mid forties and making the seminal record as a female artist is 
is yeah. is a huge leap. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, again, like the music industry across every genre is very much that way of like, you mentioned actresses and kind of aging out, so to speak, of roles. Like the music industry is very much the same way with um, with female artists. Um, and like, you know, I'm oh, like, I'm 29 and I feel aged. I feel, you know, like the, the term DIY elder now applies to me apparently. Um, but like, I feel like, especially back then too, and especially in like the Americana and the country scenes, like it was already such a tough scene that like really celebrated drug use and alcoholism and getting into fights and like, you know, cheating on your, on your significant other and like murder, which uh, like, you know, whatever, like great songs. They're all yeah. like, there's some legends out of there for sure. But the artists that are the most celebrated from that genre are men where that like not because like there weren't any incredible female artists like within that category but because <sighs> I, I don't know how else to describe it other than but like because sexism like um yeah. and especially like when you when you like think of like country artists like Loretta Lynn or like even Dolly like Dolly had a whole like song called Dumb Blonde where she is like talking about how just because she's like blonde and beautiful beautiful doesn't mean that she's like talentless or an idiot like mm -hmm. they really had to like work extra hard within that that genre to make to make a, a to make a scene to make a point and to be heard um and knowing that like Lucinda has yeah like scraped her way over her entire career too to like make those same points and then come out with like the greatest album ever made i'll say it i don't care yeah. um in her like mid 40s when like any other artists or like most other artists would be discredited like a huge it's a fucking punk move <laughs> like she yeah. really is like such a such a punk in that respect. It's like a lot of those those country artists were just punks in plaid. Like, you know, that like they had to put up with a lot of bullshit and they had to make things their own way and just very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think what's what's interesting though is like with almost any country artist from this time frame, it's like you basically didn't exist out of the system like mm. you it wasn't going to be an easy road like you know steve there were examples of it you know steve Earle was one of them dwight yoakam you know but they still almost like kind of flirted around playing within the system you know and i think that that road is easier for you know country artists now or even like indie artists and it's a complicated thing because i think that the money that was involved even to be like uh someone like lucinda probably was a lot more but i think like essentially if that shot didn't work that was it mm -hmm. you know like i feel like there's so many instances now where i mean you can simply self-release your record and things that, that they weren't able to do so 
So it's kind of like, what would I prefer to exist in more? Yeah. You know, it, it's such an interesting thing because it's like, I could we could just put up a record tomorrow, you know, and that wasn't the opportunity for someone like Lucinda, you know, yeah. like it, in the late 90s. It was like you either play within some sort of major system or nothing at all. You know, they didn't, because I mentioned that because like, they under they understood what like punk was, but that wasn't how they were gonna like release their record. Like if you don't get like a budget for it, then yeah, <laughs> it's not happening. You know, kind of thing. Uh, but even like thinking about like the sound of the album, um, it's always something when I'm like writing music, I come back to thinking about like how this is produced, mm-hmm. and it's always something that I'm like, like my music obviously it feels like it sounds nothing like lucinda but i think about things like lucinda because it's like how much do you actually need to play for everything to be there like how sparse things are on this record but it's just saying exactly what it needs to say like everything is in the exact place it needs to be and that's like such a hard thing that i i can't i can't nail it is what i'm saying but it's it's a record i go back to to kind of like how do you do that like how do you just say something so succinctly i know yeah, yeah. It, like and i think she has really mastered the kind of like get to the point uh songwriting um because like she doesn't seem like somebody who would mince words you know like she seems like somebody if like you ask her opinion about something or like just ask her any kind of question or just try to get to know her she seems like somebody who would be like very straightforward and i think that in songwriting like in a genuine way is really difficult to achieve um especially when it comes to like emotions and like you know your feelings about somebody like it's i feel like it's even scarier to kind of take the approach of like i'm going to be straightforward and like isn't gonna like kind of sugarcoat anything or like try to like move around a topic or like her feelings like if you make her mad if you like make her sad if you make her happy which doesn't sound like a lot of people have over the years like she's gonna tell you straight up and I think that's like a, a a hugely important gift for a songwriter to have um, because there's no other way to interpret that, you know, like you're not going to listen to a song um, where she says like, you took my joy and I want it back and think, well, you know, it's, it's probably, it probably just means that she was sad one day or like, I don't know. That's a, a yeah. lover's quarrel. It's like, yeah. no, she's telling you, like, go fuck yourself. You made me upset. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. She's just like, no, I yeah, I I I think that's like such a hard thing. Like, I, even like, I'm thinking about like, was since her dad was a poet, or even like when you think about certain kind of American authors, it feel it's very difficult to just like say exactly what you know i can think of things like let's say like kurt vonnegut like Mm -hmm. 
I feel like he's somebody that kind of says what he wants, but he also seems to kind of hide it in some sort of allegory of like, you know, someone with a funny name or something, you know? So when you're looking <laughs> at somebody like, like Lucinda, uh, which is interesting, I feel like I just put Lucinda up with like any American author and I would, uh, like, I, I feel like yeah. it's so difficult to just be like, cause sometimes I feel like we want to make music poetry. And she kind of talked about this in an interview. It's like, she wanted to take some of her dad's poems and make them into songs, but then she was like, it's a different thing. Like, it's, you know, it's like when yeah. I want to tell a story, and that's what her dad told her when, you know, one of the things he was like, whatever you write, just make it honest. And yeah. that's something I've I've thought, of, and not even really because of Lucinda, it's like, it's like when I'm writing, I try and be like, what am I actually trying to say? And I'm, do I have the courage to say it and a lot of times no but you know it's like to actually have that courage sometimes can be harder than like flowery language because i feel like sometimes things get wrapped in either sarcasm wit flowery language when it's like mm -hmm. can we just say the thing we want to say yeah and then i think also sometimes that can be wrongfully prescribed to just someone not being like a good writer you know, mm -hmm. but I think that's actually, that's like the hardest thing you can do is just say exactly what you're trying to say. You know, that's like, I, I can't put it any simpler than that. Or, you know, it, it, that's just what it is. That's difficult. Like when I think of people that even write like funny songs, it's like, what do you, what did you really try and say? And you're just kind of scared to do it. And Lucinda's yeah. not scared to do it. Like, like you were saying, like, it's exactly what it is when you're in, and I think that's where it becomes like a good story because like if you're thinking about like, I know it's the name of the album, like Car Wheels on a Gravel Road, that's the picture it's painting. You know, the actual thing that's happening. Yeah. You know, not something that sort of like takes you away from the actual feeling, but just you took my joy away. <laughs> like it's just, I don't know, it's just difficult. Like it's, I'm just going to gush about it like because it's, it's like the hardest <laughs> thing I can imagine ever doing. It's just being... 100% honest and not and you don't care like who it hurts as like a bystander yeah yeah, yeah. she's like she so. really leans into the ripple effect kind of she's just like yeah. you can't deal with this tough luck like if it makes you sad if it makes that person sad if it makes the person after them sad too bad like she really does not care I, yeah. I wish I wish I could have that like that bravado because <laughs> yeah I wish but also like I think you know I wonder how hard it might be to exist around yeah you know like it's to the credit of us enjoying her art great but I think she might if she doesn't suffer in it then people around her might she probably she feel it feels like just knowing her music she suffers with it too um, but she also feels like, you know, somebody that's like, oh, I'm just being honest. And then you're like, damn it, you just like, yeah. rip me in half, you know, like, you know, but that's the type of person she feels like she is like, I'm just being honest, you know? Yeah, <laughs> no, 100%. <laughs> One other part that I was reading was interesting. I never thought about it until I was doing the research is like how influenced by hip hop they were on this album. Uh, they were talking yeah. about with, uh, yeah, with Too Cool to Be Forgotten. Um, it was just that kind of loop of a drum, which I feel like is like a country thing, like it, you know, country and then kind of blues kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
like that kind of beat, but they say the reason that they did it was kind of like hip hop loops. And I don't know, just kind of like thinking about it, borrowing, having that sort of conversation because in my head, especially in the heads of what are like 45 year old people, you know, of this time frame, I don't think that I wouldn't feel that that enters the conversation at all. Yeah. Yeah. It like, mm. it's funny because, um, it does like that drum loop does sound very like very much like an old school like hip-hop beat like I didn't even know until I read that <laughs> it was like oh that makes perfect sense like it reminds me a lot of like outcast Mc, uh outcast Mc, miss jackson um yeah and just like that kind of like really simple like really simple like drum beat that just lasts the whole time doesn't really change it has like that kind of like um reverse effect on it that they put but mm -hmm. like that that was the first thing it brought up for me it was like oh yeah obviously that's what happened but like you wouldn't think of that in in the moment um because i feel like too like a lot of like that old country those old country recordings like if they had drums it was like simple it was like bare and it was buried behind everything else um or i'm trying to i'm trying to think of an example because like i don't like johnny cash didn't really have like drummers that if he did like on those early recordings they were always like kind of in the back they were more of like a textural thing mm -hmm. than yeah not, i feel like a lot of those like guys the Everly didn't Brothers. really like yeah, they didn't really like they they wouldn't really change either. It's kind of more about like kind of, kind of staying steady. And I think a lot of times with it and even like if you're looking at like hip hop or if you're looking at like an influence maybe they were thinking of like things like post punk and even like into like dance music. You know, a lot of the stuff on top of it changes, but the back rhythm won't really change, mm -hmm. but we don't really think about it often because you know, you're kind of listening off the top of it. Um, so to kind of like experience it off of it, like as something being a loop is something I, I've felt kind of more obsessed with, with writing because it's like, how many actual parts does a song need to have? Mm -hmm. You know, it's been something that I've been like obsessed with. And it's once again, like kind of doing that direct thing, the simplest thing and, and like kind of pushing yourself to not go to another part or make it feel like another part is it's as hard as writing exactly what you want to say. Yeah. You know, so do you feel like that? Does that thinking about that relationship with uh, this album, does that influence your writing directly? Like, do you think about Lucinda when you're writing songs? I, I feel like, I, I feel like I don't like think of her directly. Um, like I, it, at least like as, a songwriting or music writing influence I like she kind of pops up to me more as someone who like I wish I was more like in terms of like doesn't take shit from anybody <laughs> and yeah. like is able and, and I guess like this relates to the songwriting aspect but like is able to be really straightforward in what she's writing but also like really vulnerable and tender um it like i think with with um our last album with soft animal it 
like that kind of came up a lot more because I was really trying not to be flowery or like I was trying not to hide behind anything in particular like even and even like the title track which was like based on a poem by Mary Oliver like I had spent like four or five years writing because I was like didn't like every version that I did because it just felt like I was putting a poem to music kind of like how she was like maybe I should put my dad's poems to music and then didn't Mm -hmm. because they didn't sound right um not not that I'm trying to compare myself to Lucinda Williams there's like absolutely (laughs) there's no world where we are uh contemporaries um but there was like a sense of like fearlessness or behind her that I really wanted to try to tap into like and if it wasn't within actual like music composition I wanted to do that with the attitude and with the songwriting um yeah yeah I think that's personally I think that's kind of the way that I think about it because it's like once again I don't feel like my music whatever people would be like oh that sounds like Lucinda Williams like never but it's like it's like how can sometimes when I'm looking at it it's like how can I be the most honest version of myself you know not even like I don't if I sat down and tried to write a song that sounded like Lucinda Williams I, I can't do it you know but it's like what can I do and how can I how can I sort of just expressing myself like in my DNA, like how mm-hmm. I write songs, be the most honest version of myself. And personally, that's where I feel like I go back to car wheels when I'm writing it is not like, Oh, I got to write like this. I mean, there are certain aspects where I'm like, do I need to play this much? Mm-hmm. You know, like, can I cut it back some, you know, and can I just let this groove go, you know? Uh, but, but it's just really that idea of like being honest and, saying exactly what you mean because it even feels like that's being said with like the guitar on the record yeah everything is sort of complimenting like you know how will this serve lucinda and i think they did that on purpose with producing it because there's a lot of talk of like kind of hang on and just compliment her like if you're playing bass on the record like play with her because a lot of it was tracked live which i think is interesting because that's not like what people kind of want you to do in the industry now and you know i don't know obviously recording to a click is a great thing but the kind of (laughs) just to think of like that natural feeling i'm always like obsessed with it like kind of like are we taking away some of the emotion of music by being confined to like a click or being that that's like everything we need to hold on to because sometimes like the emotion might take you off a little bit you know yeah but you know i i don't know i know people would never like you would probably know like never tell a guitar student you know you know you would probably tell them to practice to a click or something but it seems like everyone now is really obsessed with it is my point i am really bad at playing along to a click is i'm horrible at it i'm so bad at it because like (laughs) i and which makes me like the worst hypocrite because I do tell my guitar students like you should play along to a metronome um and then you know I can't like if I'm like in the moment I can't do that (laughs) it's not great I should be able to do that um 
but I also feel like if you have an idea of what you want the song to sound like and you like kind of get in that groove while you're recording like it's easy to to fall off a click a little point a little bit because you're more like playing with like the feeling than the sound if that makes any kind of sense um like there's that um there's that little hat the the band little hag has a has a song and i'm blanking on the name right now but um at the end of it they have like a live snippet of like avery who's playing guitar and singing um saying like oh i was totally off the click and like if she hadn't said that like you wouldn't have known and like it still doesn't sound like she's off the click and the song is so tight and it's so like on point too um there's no like there's no uh what's the word i'm looking for detour there's no like detour from like the tempo or from like the emotion or the feeling it's all there and then at the end she's like i i wasn't on the click um like the producer's like no that it sounded great like that was the one (laughs) like yeah i don't know like i think if you find the producing method when you're recording like that fits you and that's like a click amazing do it like and if you don't play with a click amazing great um i just i i don't i always feel bad when i'm like trying to play along to a click and it doesn't line up i'm like damn it (laughs) yeah oh god yeah i feel like it's almost like i get where you would like tell a guitar student that they should because i think of that idea of You know, it's like when you're an artist and you kind of know, you know, the rudiments. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of like how to kind of mess it up and make mistakes. And so like some accomplished artist, you're like, you know, someone could look at it and be like, oh, well, this this drawing kind of sucks. But it's like when you (laughs) but it's like a person has honed their style for so long and taken classes or just like done it for so long. They know how to do it, quote unquote, wrong. Yeah. And so if you don't kind of have those rudiments, I think potentially doing it wrong is just wrong. But then sometimes it isn't. Sometimes wrong is right. (laughs) You know, sometimes wrong is right. That's exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So so it's hard to say. I mean, both can be true. And I think what I'm getting at is like. There isn't I don't like it when people kind of tell me that there is kind of or really anybody they shouldn't you shouldn't really tell anyone like this is the hard fast way to do it Mm -hmm. because if there's one hard fast way to do it Lucinda Williams did it all wrong (laughs) you know like probably if we're looking back or she did it her way and it you know took her like she wasn't like in her 20s when she got really big you know like there is no one way to create you know anything You know, and it's like when people are like, oh, well, a song has to be under three minutes or a song should blah, 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 be to a click. It's like I almost want to not do that on purpose because someone tells me not to. Yeah. And yeah, it it could be not for me, but it's like, you know, Daniel Johnston is technically wrong. How, you know, it's like it's not done well, but it's perfect. You know? exactly and i think it makes for a more interesting album as a listener too because like i think i feel like if an album is too perfect like you know yeah. too like technically perfect or like whatnot then 
it just it feels like more has been sacrificed for it like more has been cut out like things have been removed texture wise like it just it doesn't feel as authentic um but like mm -hmm. if you're able to like hear you know a, a wrong note here and there or like something that like when they were playing it live like was a flub but then when you went back and listened to it in the booth they were like oh no actually that can work i feel like those moments or you know off the click at some point like i feel like those moments if they are done and they are done like confidently and they're done well um work like they they kind of bring so much more to an album and like car wheels on a gravel road i feel like is a great example of that too because like it's a scrappy album like it's it has yeah. like the americana scrap to it um and like her voice too is you know it is gravelly like she yeah, yeah. she does have that like really like road worn voice that is powerful but not like conventionally beautiful not like entirely marketable to a pop market you know like there are aspects of this album that don't work for sure but they do in like the best way and when i listen to this album i feel like way more engaged with that than if it had been like 100 across the board everything was perfect her voice was smooth like i that it would have been a different album like it wouldn't have yeah, been yeah. this good <laughs> wouldn't have been a classic yeah yeah like there's points and it obviously where it's like where she reaches for a note and kind of that that kind of pain in it with reaching at it it's just i love those moments in like any sort of record that you know like a lot of times you get that too like some the last john prine record has that mm -hmm. you know and he had kind of like complications with his voice like essentially got like part of his throat yeah taken out because of cancer and just that way of like hearing somebody have to kind of work for it is my favorite thing and like there's points where it's like she feels like the coolest person in the world but it's flawless but you still feel like that dichotomy of kind of like just being the coolest person in the room mm -hmm. but working for it it's yeah. just like it's like i'm gonna you know sometimes i feel like when you get the coolest person in the room it's like but then i don't feel any kind of anguish but i feel somehow she's both and it, it just like i'm just like damn yeah like like how are you both you get the sense that like at the end of the night like after a show she's walking off stage and like there's so much weight on her shoulders like you 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 just feel deep in your gut that like she's really going through it <laughs> and it's not to say that like somebody needs to suffer to make great art but i feel like she's just one of those people where like the, she's this is her lived experience like she hasn't like shaken it yet and mm -hmm. probably at this point like never will but she's able yeah. to express that honestly and beautifully in the art that she makes so she has at least some output that hopefully is granting her some relief um but yeah like she it just it just feels like she is just i don't know i don't want to say like going through it again 
but she at least she's had a tough time you know like she's had like she's had a, a rough go of it <laughs> like yeah i can't imagine that would just be something easy to shake off and she like had a stroke a few years ago so like she's she's really like she's really struggling but god bless her she's yeah. like still doing the damn thing one of the ways i like that she put it and it was i think it was like a pbs video uh where she was talking about she was talking about it being like an actual well it's like i don't need to live in it essentially is what she said i can just go to mm-hmm. it. i can just like go up there i'll dip the bucket in pull it back all out and it's never ending you know like all of this kind of mm-hmm. anguish i've lived through so you know it's like i don't i don't feel like she's She's someone who has suffered for her art, but I don't really know if she has to kind of make herself suffer. Yeah. You know, like those kind of like a Warren Zevon type that's mm. just like, oh, I'm going to go live in this hotel, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. kind of thing. And the make my make the story my life, yeah, and you like know, kind of purpose- fuck up everything around me. You know, it's like yeah. it's it's just encoded in her DNA, you know, like it's it's just a, or it's a past experience that but she'll always be able to pull from it. You know, she said she can just go in there and dip it up and then there's a song, you know. And I don't yeah. think probably the songwriting process is that easy, but it's just like when that well wants her to get something from it, she can get it out. You know? Yeah. I mean. So I don't know. That's a that's a really beautiful way of her to put that, too. Because also, yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah, it it makes me feel happy for her. Just like she's not always at the well. You know what I mean? <laughs> she's she can go and visit when she needs like okay cool she can like she can take a load off that makes me really glad for her yeah i i hope that i know it seems silly but it's like i hope lucinda williams is happy right now i know her her twitter handle and i know because like it's because her of her album happy woman blues but like her twitter twitter handle is like happy woman nine or something at happy woman nine. I'm like honestly, that's great, Lucinda. I really hope you're happy. <laughs> I really do. You deserve yeah. it. God. Um. So your 2018 album Willis Do came out on Tiny Engines. So as we all know, and as been discussed, kind of like how everything went down with that. How has kind of your transition been from going from Tiny Engines to I guess like doing things essentially on your own um, and how does this record kind of inform it or if it does at all, you know, so to kind of your expression, your personal experience uh, kind of going from that change in your life. Sure. Um, but you, I feel like everything with tiny engines happened, you know, right before we were going to announce our 2020 album world's strongest dog. Um, so it kind of felt like, you know, after all that shit went down um, and we like had to buy back our vinyl and self-release, um, like it, that kind of felt more like, okay, well, if we want to release this album the way we want to, like, this is a necessity, um, which wasn't really fun, honestly. <laughs> like, you know, other than the other than the fact that like, you know the pandemic shut everything down so we couldn't even tour on the album it just it felt like it like yeah it just it didn't feel like a fun release and that's not to say like I'm not proud of the album or I'm not thankful 
for like everybody who supported it when we really like needed to to raise the funds to buy the vinyl back um, because I'll always be in debt to to the folks who did give us a hand um, I just remember thinking like at the time like when it came out in April after like you know weeks of the pandemic or a month of the pandemic at that point just like cool I'm not having fun and then as the pandemic wore on being like cool I will never have fun again um and trying to like reassess my relationship with music and especially like as a songwriter um mm -hmm. like what did I want to accomplish what did I want to put out in the world like it kind of felt very spirally to a point and I think like soft animal really let me reassess those feelings and kind of like rediscover who I am as a musician um and you know like even though we put it out on plastic miracles and specialist subject who are like two fantastic labels like yeah it felt way more like fitting it just because this is an album I did for myself I did by myself essentially like except for you know a few other musicians who did strings or you know our drummer John Ambrosier played on one song or I'd backup vocals like other than like a handful of folks like it's all me um so being able to like kind of make an album by myself to an extent um for myself and then put it out on two labels that I really love and respect like it it felt way better honestly and like yeah. to have done this on kind of my own terms um and so what and like when I kind of think about my relationship with music and like car wheels and Lucinda Williams especially like she is somebody who I look up to a lot as a songwriter as a musician as an artist because she has she strikes me as somebody who, who has like a ton of artistic integrity and somebody who knows what she wants as an artist but as also like a businesswoman to an extent because the unfortunate thing with being you know any kind of artist in a capitalist world is that like if you're trying to sell your wares you have to be somewhat business savvy which sucks but here we are um but like she has always kind of been someone to look up to as like a musician who won't let herself be pushed around and that was really kind of important for me and like I was listening to her a lot while I was making the album too it was like mostly Amy Mann plus Lucinda Williams plus like a handful of other artists when I was trying to figure out like what I wanted Soft Animal to be and how I wanted to record these songs and like Amy had the poetry and the sound, but like Lucinda had the attitude. And that was kind of what I wanted to pull from her the most is like this kind of no nonsense, like you can't tell me what to do. I'm gonna do what I want, but also I'm not gonna mince words about it. Um, yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting, I think, like thinking about kind of Amy Mann and Lucinda Williams kind of as like a, you can be somewhere in the poles 
for it because I feel like Amy Mann is similar to Lucinda Williams in that I feel like, but she's Lucinda. I feel like it's like, I'm going to do my thing kind of barrel forward, you know, Mm -hmm. like fight her way to go forward. Like Amy Mann is doing that, but I feel like she's kind of like bobbing and weaving her way to like figure out how to navigate, you know, kind of like, you know, maybe I'll act, maybe I'll, you know, do music this way or this label and whatnot. And kind of like, kind of shifting gears but still just being amy man all along the way so interesting kind of guidepost to like think of you know kind of like where to if this works for them kind of yeah then some version of that i'll be that'll kind of show me where i need to go you know and and two artists who had like producing and label problems too like amy man i believe started her her own label after she left her old one because she was like i don't like what you're doing with my music and with me so fuck you i'm gonna do my own thing (laughs) like and then as we know lucinda just kind of going through a similar thing too um but being maybe a little bit more like straightforward and aggressive about it than amy who's kind of a, a queen of of her craft but also of kind of dipping and dodging and not like getting directly yeah. in the fight um but yeah i mean like i they're two sides of the same coin to me yeah i think that's a perfect way to kind of you know wrap it up and i seriously appreciate you taking the time to talk with me before i let you go uh where can people find you um well you can find our music um on bandcamp um or spotify we are long neck um i'm on twitter at long neck laughs instagram same handle facebook yeah i soft animal came out in june on june 21st on the summer solstice um you can buy tapes from plastic miracles if you're from the u.s or from specialist subject if you are from the uk or anywhere else i'm very proud of it and i hope you like it that's uh kind of where i'm at (laughs) welcome back thanks again to lily for coming on the pod don't forget to check out the new long neck record soft animal out now on plastic miracles and specialist subject records pick that up wherever you do that sort of thing Next week on the pod, we're talking with my longtime friend, Rachel Sheeran, about Bane's 2001 album, Give Blood. So tune in next time. Before I let you go, don't forget to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. And follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at spinningoutpod. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a comment, tell a friend, share an episode. It helps. Thanks, as always, to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay. See you next week.